Duke is a roster that is not short on talent. We are going to be breaking down the big ticket names on the Blue Devils roster coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our channel, I ask that you please do so now. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. This whole week, we have been committed to giving you the best Duke coverage that we can. We spent an entire episode yesterday breaking down Duke's offense versus Texas Tech's defense. The day before that, took an initial look at Duke, and today we're really going to be doing a deep dive on some of the names that they have on this roster because this is obviously a Duke team that is full of top-level talent, future NBA guys, top 100 recruits. There's a lot of names on this roster that people um, either are familiar with or will be familiar with very soon here and definitely worthy of a breakdown from uh, from us on the Texas Tech end of things. Before you get into that, how are you doing today, Emery? I'm doing well. Had Chipotle this evening. Nice. Ran into a couple of UNC basketball players the day before. They're heading off to their uh, Sweet 16 matchup for their own stuff. So, you know, life is good in the Chipotle, and I'm just excited to continue covering basketball, man. I mean, I've been diving into film. Obviously, last night I finished up the UNC Duke game, which was a lot of fun to look at back for a second time. And I've been starting to look at Michigan State, and I mean, this Duke roster has a ton of talent on it, but not invincible. And it's nice to be this far into March and be covering a team that's this good with a chance to beat a team like Duke, because it really does. I mean, this is what you live for as a college basketball fan as a college basketball team as a college basketball player and to be in the month of march and be in contention in the sweet 16 feels really nice this is like the sixth straight episode where you've mentioned that unc win i've got to put it into you at, at some point with that man because you're just going to get as much usage as you can out of that i'm just saying i'll make it eight before we uh stop this if oh tech- man Hey, I'm just saying if Tech wins against Duke, I'm not going to I'm going to bring up both the Tech win over Duke and the UNC win over Duke for the rest of our podcast until basketball season is over. Well, hey, if Tech does beat Duke, it'd have to be replicating some sort of the UNC game plan. So, you know what? I'll I'll let you uh I'll let you pull that there, but obviously, I mean, the the name that mostly everybody should know on this Duke roster, obviously, uh people that just kind of operate within the Big 12 vacuum might not know his name but that would be very surprising to me is paulo bancaro um in our opinion a future number one overall nba pick i was texting uh an old friend of mine who's also an nba scout uh earlier today and he was saying that bancaro is quickly becoming kind of the guy in in some clubhouses and is just front offices are really starting to love the tools that he has and he is quickly rising up Uh, front office boards and this is a guy that just does things that hardly anybody else in college basketball can do he is six foot ten a freshman and you would not know it 
just watching him play. I mean, he plays like a veteran. He plays like a guard. He is a very, very intriguing player. Um, passes the ball pretty decently for his size. Um, gets to the rim very effortlessly. Not a great three-point shooter at this point, but I think it, it's something that could develop. Overall, I mean, just just one of the, I think in terms of raw talent, might be the best player that Texas Tech's seen all season. Obviously, you got to see some very seasoned guys like Ochai Abaji, some some other raw talent like Chet Holmgren, some some veterans like Drew Timmy. But in terms of just pure capabilities, like there there is hardly anybody that does what Paulo Bancaro does. And I mean, like I was I was just on the Gambling Gouches podcast, and I uh, I I called him a thick KD, and I really do feel like that's like the only like the only fair comp for him at this point. He just he is a very toolsy guy. I was going to say he's more like a slightly more fluid mellow. That's sort of what I would say. I think that the biggest thing, obviously, he's a little bit taller than mellow was. He's got really, really good guard skills for someone of his size, like transcendent ability. That's one of those close to 6'10", that really has has the skill set to play inside offensively. And then as well as that, I mean, the shooting isn't quite there yet. I don't think, certainly in the mid-range, he's got a good pull-up shot. And We've seen flashes of the catch and shoot. We've seen it off of pick and pops, but still only about 32% on the year. And the bigger thing for me is the inconsistencies there. But despite that, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's 6'10", with guard skills, can run in transition, can create his own shot in the half court. If you put a big on him, he's able to get to the rim. If you put a small guy on him, he can shoot over top of them or can back them down. He's just a matchup nightmare. And the talent he has, the versatility he has, that's one thing. But the other thing is, is he's a smart player as well he's not going to get kind of forced into making really bad decisions. And that's one of the things that really stands out. It's part of the reason that he can afford to play as many on-ball minutes as he does, is even though he's not a great facilitator and not really a pure guard, his ability to make smart decisions, not force up too many tough shots, and really just play within the flow of the offense as much as Duke's flow actually is because they run a lot of isolation stuff in the first place. It's impressive, and it really kind of highlights just how high feel of a player he is. Like most of the time, when you see 19-year-olds that have that combination of pure size and guard skills that are also as just raw to have the raw talent that he has, a lot of times you'll see that they struggle kind of in the shot IQ standpoint. They take rough shots. They're not really good playmakers. I mean, look at Michael Porter in the NBA. Like he's still adjusting as a playmaker and is more of an awful guy. You look at some of the similar guys in this draft class. A guy like Jabari Smith is has some of the shooting capabilities and certainly some of the pure athleticism, but when you force him to put the ball on the court and make decisions, he's nowhere near as good. And that's what I think really sets Ben Carroll apart is he's got the guard skills. He's obviously got the raw talent and the fluidity, but certainly his mental approach to the game is really impressive, and it's allowed him to to excel as both the passer and as a driver. And that's just more attributes to his game that are going to make him a nightmare to defend. Gets to the free throw line very, very well. Um, as you mentioned, Like there, there's really – there's really no way that he gets put in bad spots offensively unless he's just being forced to take a three or take a really difficult ISO mid-range jumper, which is also something that he can do. It's not his best shot, but he but he can knock him down. And so kind of a nightmare matchup for, for anybody in the country. But I do think that what Texas Tech can do to kind of elevate their chances is keep him in one-on-one and, and just try and give him your best hand with your best defenders. Just give him grief. 
hound him on the ball. I think that's really what you've got to do just to limit his opportunities. And then another guy that analytically lines up really well with Bancaro is obviously AJ Griffin, another freshman, not as big as Bancaro at 6'6", but a guy that just has a tremendous impact on the offensive end for Duke. Um, he, he's the only guy with a, with a BPM that's comparable to like a Wendell Moore or Apollo Bancaro um, is easily the best three-point shooter on this Duke team, in my opinion. Shoots 45% from deep on over four attempts per game, which is just blistering. And, and that's kind of his game. He, he is a very good three-point shooter, not necessarily a guy that you want to be putting the ball down he doesn't get to the rim a ton doesn't force a ton of free throws um his game is shooting and he will make you pay if you leave him open in this one yeah griffin is one of the best shooters in the nation in fact i would take him in a shooting contest over just about anyone that tex had to face this year and really like as a guy that's an elite level recruit it's kind of rare to see sort of that archetype being on display like you're talking about a player that has really made a living as a top 15 recruit throughout his entire recruiting prospect process as someone that was an elite level shooter was never really a great on ball guy someone that really could create his own shot all that well and certainly compared to Ben Carroll he doesn't have anywhere near as much physical attributes as much nearly as much athleticism kind of he doesn't stand out at you if you're just watching a game and seeing how he moves but his shot is incredible his offensive game in general is incredible and I mean, I don't think that he's there yet as a ball handler. Certainly, he's kind of struggled to sort of put moves together. Guard or Guards and wings that have been more physical against him whenever he is playing on ball have caused some issues for him. But certainly, I mean, he's not the worst in the world. He does a good job of avoiding turnovers, knowing his role very well. I think the one thing is he did have an ankle injury against Michigan State that's going to be worth monitoring because I think it is something that could be limiting him. But certainly, I mean, in terms of raw talent, in terms of his shooting ability, he's up there with the best in the nation. And fits the mold of this team really well. I feel like having an off-ball guy to sort of complement a lot of their other downhill guys, like a Bankero, like a Wendell Moore, like a Jeremy Roach, like a Trevor Keels, sort of really provides an outlet for them. And, I mean, Griffin's as talented as they come as a shot maker. Going to keep making our way down the roster and taking a look at Duke's front court. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. I love March Madness and Bracket Contest, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep and won any money. I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single pickums pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing on the players you know best or the gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be, Stat Hero. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar products. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You'll be blown away. They are high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, low in carb. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some of your own. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Just a reminder that we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you are tapped into our feed so you do not miss any of our upcoming March Madness content. 
We are currently breaking down the Duke Blue Devils at an individual level. Um, we've been taking a look at them as a team this this whole this whole week, and now we're taking a look at some of these some of these guys and some of these players and what they're all about. Obviously, guys that are, are high class recruits and have been playing really good basketball for Duke, and one of those guys who's played the most minutes really for, for this Duke team, at least consistently, has been Wendell Moore, um, a six five junior. He is playing about 84% of Duke's minutes right now, which is just absurd, especially when you consider that Paulo Bancaro has been playing like 36 minutes a night in the month of March, and he is still playing just about 81% of Duke's minutes right now. So a pretty insane player in Wilmdam Moore. He has got a phenomenal true shooting percentage at 61.4 for kind of the style of play that he does for having it more three-pointers than he does free throws. He's shooting over 41% from deep right now, almost 80% from the line, and then about 66 around the rim. And so a pretty efficient player. Uh, he's a good ball handler. It's not necessarily, I think, what he naturally might be wanting to do on a basketball floor, but, I mean, it, it it's worked this season for Duke, at least to a degree. He's averaging about 4.6 assists per game and two turnovers. He's got really good defensive hands as well, has a knack for stealing the ball. One of the guys on this Duke team that can create turnovers, although it's not a strength for this Duke team. I mean, man, Paulo Bancaro is an absolute unicorn. But on a year where you don't have a guy like that on your roster, you're talking about Wendell Moore is easily your best player. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that Wendell Moore has been Duke's most valuable player this year because his ability to step into the ball handle role and really fill a need for them that otherwise would have been filled with by a guy like Jeremy Roach, who has certainly been really inconsistent as a ball handler, it can't be overstated. I mean, Moore, he's not a natural point guard. I think that's the first thing to sort of get out of the way. His first two years at Duke, and certainly before that, he was really never asked to be a primary ball handler. You look at his assist turnover rates, weren't all that good in his first couple of years. And then this year with that new role, he's seemingly taken a step forward in just about every single aspect of his game. You look at his assist to turnover, obviously it's improved. He's a guy that's almost averaging nearly five assists a game. He had a triple-double early in the year. You look at his shooting, it's improved all the way up to over 40% from three which his first year at Duke, he took only 19 threes. And he was a sub-30% shooter for most of last year as well. So to be able to evolve almost overnight into a dude that's hitting over 40% of them on relatively good attempts, I mean, you're talking roughly three and a half to four attempts a game, like that's extremely impressive. And beyond that, the defensive side of things has been there since his first year at Duke. I mean, certainly this year he's taken another step forward, I think is probably their best on-ball defender. And Really, he's a guy that can do everything for him. He's probably their best transition playmaker in terms of his ability to sort of make passes and transition. Kind of a Kevin McCullough-esque skill, in a way, if you want to compare that to someone on Tech's roster. Certainly in the half court, he takes on a lot of their ball handling responsibilities. He's still one of their best catch-and-shoot guys. He can get to the rim while downhill. And then, obviously, you have the defensive ability and just the playmaking as well that he can bring to the table. I mean someone that plays almost 85% of the team's minutes. And beyond that, like almost any lineup that they run, he's going to be featured in. It's going to, whether it be him having to be sort of the off-ball player and playing alongside Keels and Roach, he can do that. If he's playing it with um, Griffin and Bancaro both, he can do that. So 
like he's one of the most talented players out there, one of the most versatile players out there, and I think his versatility really helps out this Duke roster. If uh, if he's the best on-ball defender for Duke, I think one of their best defenders overall has got to be Mark Williams, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, just an absurd shot blocker, the seven-footer, is not great defending the pick and roll. He's not one of these guys that you might want to run out in the Big 12 and kind of put him in some of these offenses that really like to force you out onto the perimeter. But man, oh man, can this guy defend the rim. Nearly three blocks per game. Just an absolutely absurd player. Um, blocking like 12% of opponent shots in a single game, which is just ridiculous to even think about. Um, as I mentioned, a guy that is not great in the pick and roll. I think UNC really, really exploited that in their win and Cameron Indoor. And then I think just a guy that's pretty limited offensively, he's going to get a lot of his offense on post-ups and right underneath the rim. I do think that a thing about him that's particularly noticeable is that he also does affect shots uh, even when he's not blocking them. I think Musa Cisse is a really, really good shot blocker, but he doesn't always affect shots down low when he's not blocking them. Mark Williams is a guy that can defend your best big straight up and still make them take really difficult shots. And so this Mark Williams-Bryson Williams matchup, uh, despite all the talent on this Duke roster, might be one of the most important matchups to monitor for Texas Tech's sake. Yeah, we already mentioned this from a team standpoint, but you don't want to be playing in the post against Mark Williams. Post As far as post defenders go, I think you can make a really good argument that Williams is the most talented post defender Tech is going to have to face this entire year. I think you can make arguments in terms of shot blockers and pure rim protectors, whether it be Holmgren or Cissé or Williams, all three having a good case. But certainly, post is where Williams kind of stands out compared to those guys. But certainly... I mean, anything on the inside is going to be hard to come by against him, but putting him in pick-and-roll coverages is really where I think you can exploit this Duke team. I think you have the opportunity to run, force him to make a decision between running drop, which they usually like to do against most teams, and having to come out to the perimeter. And whenever they they have him come out to the perimeter, it usually does not end well. And it's going to require a lot, I think, on Tech's guards to be able to make the right decisions when they run pick-and-roll and sort of keep keep Williams honest and force him to make the right decision there. And and we'll see. I think that looking at Bryson Williams, it's going to be as much about just playing within himself and not trying to force things against the defender. This is good on the inside is Mark Williams, but certainly Williams is one of the most talented defensive players you're going to find in the nation just because of his interior presence. Offensively, I think that his game, like you mentioned, is a little bit limited. I will say that he's probably one of the best transition rim runners that you're going to find just because Obviously, this Duke team doesn't get out off of steals a ton, but when they do, I mean, Williams really can ignite a break well. He's a good finisher. He's got it's good at filling lanes. And then as well as that, I mean, it's a typical hustling big kind of archetype, if you want to say that. If you look at just his ability to finish off of putbacks, his ability to play off of the short roll and get dunks, he's a kind of aggressive post player. I mean, he's got good touch on the inside. If you look at his finishing percentage, he's shooting almost 77% at the rim this year. Granted, almost 80% of that is assisted, so it's not like he's taking a particularly difficult dosage of shots, but, I mean, that's still a skill in itself. I mean, that's like kind of the Udoka Azabuki type of skill, where, like, if you're getting those high percentage looks at the rim, you're really dunking a lot, then it's going to 
make life a lot easier for the rest of the offense to have a guy like that they can utilize in transition and just if all else fails on the offense. The odds that they run drop with him in this game have to be like 95%, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, considering the guard options that Tech have, they're going to force you to try to hit pull-ups first before they make any sort of adjustments to running drop. Yeah, that's going to be something really interesting to monitor. Texas Tech has got to make shots in this game, obviously, if they want to have any chance to win. But that that's an opportunity right there where they could get some open ones. We've got two guys left in the Duke rotation to break down. But first, a word from Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you, as I just mentioned, by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and also with your phone in your pocket. You save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is also a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right. Duke typically runs like a a six or seven man rotation. It it is closer to six than it is to seven most nights. That's where we're landing uh, in in this episode. The last starter that we have to cover is Jeremy Roach, a guy that, man, he's been kind of like much more important for them than I thought that he would be kind of coming into the season just with all the talent on this roster. But uh, the the 6-1 sophomore has played about 71% of their minutes, is third on the team. He has not really swung the game in, in the way that guys like Ben Caro and, and Moore have, but Duke just doesn't really have to play through him a ton. Um, he, he's a guy that can definitely exist without having the ball on his hands and uh, can make good things happen. He shoots the three a lot. Not a particular strength of his. He's shooting just about 34% from deep this year. Um, not a great mid-range shooter, not a great guy that puts the ball down and gets to the basket a lot. Um, and, and he's just a guy that has been passing the ball pretty well this season. And I think that that's kind of where you you look at this this Duke team and you're thinking, all right, how does a guy like like Jeremy Roach, who's averaging just about eight eight points per game, you know, how does he find himself on the cusp of of their rotation so so solidly? And that obviously comes down to in my opinion, the way that he's kind of alleviated some of the primary ball handling struggles for Duke and passed the ball really, really well. Yeah, see, for me, I look at Roche and I look at what he did last year. I felt like, to be quite frank, his role last year and having to be a primary ball hander quite a bit alongside Jordan Goldwire, it was a disaster for Duke. And he just was not ready for that role. I feel like he really struggled. And this year, I mean, you look at his stats and they don't really jump off the page at you. He's averaging roughly eight and a half points a game. Obviously, the three-point shot is still only about 33-34%. And the interior presence isn't great. And certainly, he's not like a lead facilitator per se. But like you mentioned, it's his ability to to sort of function in a lot of different offensive roles that keeps him on the floor because he's one of the guys that can create his own shot. He's pretty good at getting to the rim. He's an okay facilitator. 
and what they've kind of coached him into not doing too much as the season's progressed. I felt like early on in the season and certainly last year, that was maybe a little bit of a weakness with them was trying to do too much when you have guys like Ben Caro and Wendell Moore on the court and sort of trying to take over. And I feel like as the season's progressed, he's kind of sort of mellowed into his role a little bit. And certainly, I mean, he's been playing really good basketball, especially down the stretch of the regular season. And certainly like the highlights of that would have come in the ACC tournament in Syracuse and the road game against Virginia, both of those game he, games, he was critical in sort of bringing Duke back into that and allowing them to win those games. So he's had his moments this year. Certainly if you're looking at Duke's roster and their rotation, he's probably the one guy that isn't really like a standout, especially when you have five guys that could be drafted in the first round of the NBA draft. I mean, it's really slim pickings when you look, at the kind of limitations of this rotation, but Roach is the one guy that's probably not like an outstanding player, but he's, he can get the job done. He's a consistent role player at this point, And his ball handling is something that they've needed throughout the season. Six man for Duke right now is Trevor Keels, a former top 20 prospect in last year's recruiting class. He has had a very interesting season to monitor and just try and figure out what this dude is going to be at the collegiate level. Um, and, and maybe even at the NBA level, if he does end up declaring, but, um, this, this year, the, the name of the game of, for him has kind of been just shoot and, and shoot a lot of shots and hope that they go in eventually. I mean, he's taken 15 more three point attempts than anyone else on this Duke roster. Um, but it is not a particular strength for him. He's shooting 31.9% right now. Um, I mean, you look at a guy like AJ Griffin, who's shooting 40, 45% from deep, and he's taken 15 more shots than that guy. And so it's kind of an interesting season for Keels. Obviously a guy that when he's on, uh, he can, he can really make your, your defense pay. Um, but but honestly, where he's just been a strength for Duke this season is he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He gets to the free throw line quite a bit. He doesn't always shoot super efficiently there, but he does get there quite a bit. Um, and then he can make shots, or at least he takes a lot of them. And uh, sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't. Um, he's just, he's a really interesting player, man. I, I don't know what kind of basketball player he's going to be quite yet, but He's had some explosive games, had 27 against Pitt towards the end of the year, 25 against Clemson. Um, but again, the, the name of the game for him is consistency. He's coming off back-to-back -back games in the conference tournament where he shot a combined 2 of 14, um, didn't look great against Cal State Fullerton, had a pretty good game against Michigan State. But um, just just kind of a guy that is a mixed bag every night. Yeah, and he's really on a bit of a cold streak. When you look all the way back to the Pittsburgh game where he had probably his best game of the season outside of maybe the season opener against Kentucky. I mean, he had 27 points in that Pittsburgh game, and since then he hasn't had a positive net rating a single time over the course of the entire rest of the season, which has been a couple regular season games in the ACC tournament than the last two tournament games, obviously. But when he's on, he is a spark plug for this Duke team. I mean, he gets downhill really well. He's a good driver. I feel like if he'd focused on that more as opposed to his pure shooting, you would probably see a little bit better efficiency numbers because he's genuinely good at getting the rim. And even if the finishing numbers aren't great per se, he draws a lot of attention there, and I think it opens up the offense. But nevertheless, I mean, he's still a capable shooter. I mean, a 32%, I think, can doesn't do a, a ton of justice because he's been so inconsistent. And to be honest, sometimes he's prone to taking some bad shots. But certainly, I mean, Trevor Keels is one of the more talented guys that you're going to find just in terms of as a six man, as a guy that is probably their third or fourth best offensive option, even when he's having a really good day. I and mean, that speaks volumes to the 
talent on this Duke team. But really, Keels, I mean, his offensive game is versatile. Defensively, I'm kind of it's kind of been a mixed bag for him this season. He's had some strengths and weaknesses. He gets beat off the dribble quite a bit. But I mean, Keels is one of the more talented players on the roster. Has earned his place on the rotation and. After night one against Kentucky, I think a lot of people thought that he might have established himself as one of the guys to watch as a potential top 10 pick. That hasn't really come to fruition, but the talent's clearly there. And if he can put it together, he's going to be a really dangerous player. And I mean, that that's pretty much the Duke rotation right now, is those six guys, with the exception of uh, Theo John coming in and playing some spot minutes every now and then. Um, he's like Mark Williams- Light, light, uh, has not scored in double digits since January, doesn't block a ton of shots. But, I mean, he's a pretty reliable guy for them off the bench. He's the old guy on this roster. It's the only guy, literally the only guy that has ever played an NCAA tournament game that's in the rotation. Super senior, right? Either that or a fourth year. He came from Marquette. Marquette I want to say he's a yeah. senior. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Theo John... He's dependable. That's the most important thing. Certainly his his defense isn't quite what Mark Williams can offer, but beyond that, I mean, he's a guy that can give you good minutes, can get rebounds. If Williams is in a foul trouble, he's an alternative. Um, certainly plays a lot of the same style, but it is what it is. And I think he's going to be someone in the rotation that you can utilize, that Duke can utilize if all else fails. Yeah, you back. So that's Duke. There we go. That's Duke. Yeah, Theo John, uh, the old man on this roster. Best player uh, on the roster. Best player on the roster. Hopefully, that's not what you uh, you gained from that. Apologies for the technical issues on my part. I'm having quite a day. I've had to uh, sneeze for most of this episode, but. Uh, Man, I hope that our Duke individual analysis has been uh, beneficial and uh, not not as spotty as uh, our recording software is being right now. Emory, any closing thoughts on the Duke rotation before we get out of here? I think the key for them is just consistency and the versatility that they provide. I mean, you've got a lot of guys on their roster, whether it be Bancaro or A.J. Griffin, or Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels, that really can sort of function in a lot of different roles. And certainly, especially, I mean, you've got guys like Griffin that are elite shooters. You've got guys like Ben Caro that is kind of a unicorn when it comes to what he can do on the basketball court. But they haven't been able to put it together consistently this year. They've had their struggles. And, I mean, in terms of raw talent, top three roster in NCAA, I think if you can keep most of the roster from – sort of going off against you. If you can have guys like Keels and Roach making uncharacteristic mistakes, which is certainly possible given their inconsistencies, I think you'll have a good chance in this one. Yeah, definitely going to be a bit of a toss-up just given the amount of talent that's on both of these sidelines. But obviously a very intriguing matchup and a very intriguing and eventful episode of Locked on Texas Tech tonight. Hey, for all of you that have made it this far in the podcast, we, schedules willing, should have a very exciting guest on the show tomorrow. 
uh, one of the most knowledgeable minds when it comes to Duke and ACC basketball. So be sure that you are tapped into our feeds and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at LBK. You can follow Emory at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Until then, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Brian Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for joining all of us, and we will see you tomorrow.